Some people like to run a marathon because they get the accolades, the ability to tell people the juice from saying, I'm running a marathon. And then there's a group of people that just love to run. All right, my friends, the Ultimate OD Podcast. This is a fun episode. Have you ever heard of the phrase, standing on the shoulders of giants? Today, we're going to try to stand on the shoulders of the best and brightest I've interacted with. Five traits that I see in all these successful entrepreneurs and optometrists that are starting their own practices, running their own businesses. You want to know what these are. See if you have the traits. A little office talk. Who am I and where I'm going to go? Yes, it's... It's very introspective. And in closing thought of the episode, this is the Ultimate OD Podcast. Here we go. Our friends, the Ultimate OD Podcast. I have a lot to say, so we're going to get right into this. We all have problems. We all have wins. We are optometrists. We have similar lives. Now, everything has its own flavor. Everyone's a little different, but... I'll tell you this right now, I love talking to you. The biggest benefit of this podcast is that I get to rub elbows with people doing truly great things. People that have been doing this 20, 30 years longer than me and people that are 10 years behind, but all of us can collaborate and be better. Some very, very smart, intelligent, and successful people. Through this and all of my research, my reading, um, preparing the podcast, I've started to see a trend. I've seen five specific traits that I believe are core and key to the success that a lot of entrepreneurs have, specifically ODs. So I want to share those traits with you and just kind of elaborate what the trait is and how you can apply it to your office. So this is a good episode for you to level up. Number one, they love to hustle and grind, all right? Every successful optometrist that I've talked to just enjoys the journey. So the analogy I'll give is some people like to run a marathon because they get the accolades, the ability to tell people the juice from saying, I'm running a marathon. And then there's a group of people that just love to run, right? These successful entrepreneurs love to run. Class of people that I'm going to be a doctor. Get you a little bit of street cred. I'm going to start my own practice. A little street cred. The people that are doing the biggest things that I've talked to just love to grow the business. They love to take their ideas, put them into action, manage people, grow, develop all those skills that are hard to do. Okay? And they're the type of people that society will tell tell you that, you know, you should only spend so much time doing X and only so much time doing why. And they buck the norm because they don't let society dictate how much time they spend doing something they love, right? They don't care they're working X amount of hours in a day because they truly love and enjoy it. They don't want to procrastinate it. They look forward to the art, the labor, the creation of what they're doing. Okay, and they do this in all aspects of their lives. It's not just their practice, it's their physical activity. These people are not only running marathons, playing like competitive hockey uh, in volleyball leagues, they're volunteering on boards, they're on, 
you know, the PTA, they're coaching their kids' softball teams. They do everything. And I sit back and look at them like, how do you do that with kids? How do you do that with your family? And they're just like, well, this is what we do. And if you think back, these are your classmates that in school did everything. You were just studying for a test. They studied for the test. They were on the committees. They they had a girlfriend, boyfriend, spouse, significant other. They were involved with their family. And they just seemed to have more time than we did, right? And the reason for that is they loved what they were doing, all right? So my advice to you, how do you apply this? How do you be someone that loves to hustle and grind? If you put it off, if you dread doing it, that's not for you. Delegate that to someone else, okay? If you can't wait to do it, if you look forward to going to uh, Vision Expo West and getting all the information, going to academy meeting and getting the knowledge that you're going to apply to your practice the next day, that's where you need to focus your time and energy. You need to be the medical director of your office. Someone else can run the business. You be the medical director. If you love to, you know, pick out frames and market and merchandise your optical, put more time and effort into that. That's what you need to do. So find out what you enjoy that you aren't procrastinating on. That's how you become someone that can just grind to grind. That's someone that loves to run. Number two, confidence. The ODs that are the top level, the highest level, are inherently confident and they believe in themselves like no other. However, you ask them, you know, what did you do here? How did you start this? And they'll go into this elaborate breakdown of, well, when I first started, I picked a great location, but I didn't anticipate the growth I was going to have. So I had a business that was just busting at the seams, but I didn't have the infrastructure to support it. Now, in the future, I would do this. Going forward, I do that. They can give you a realistic step-by-step breakdown of what they did right, what they did wrong, and then apply that to their next endeavor and be confident that I know that I'm going to apply these principles to the next step. And even though I've learned I'm better, I know it's not going to go as planned, but I've done it once. I can do it again. I can figure this out. I will succeed. And also, they don't quit right? They can list a million things they did wrong. This is what I did wrong with this specialty. This is why that didn't work. I didn't have the market for this, but they kept going. They knew they were destined for something more. They knew that they were going to add a specialty. Just this one wasn't the right one. They didn't have the passion for it. They didn't have the market for it, but everything they learned along the way, they were going to apply to the next one. They didn't stop trying. They kept moving forward. So, You know, to sum that up, they're realistic about the challenge, but they have a naive confidence or belief in themselves that they will overcome, they will succeed, they don't quit, okay? So what's my advice for you on this one? There are enough obstacles in your way to success. Just, I can start listing off them, you know, for the next 20 minutes if I wanted to. But I'll tell you this, don't let yourself be one of those obstacles. Don't let you get in the way of your success. And believe it or not, 99% of the time, the person in the mirror is the reason why you're not doing what you need to, why you're not leveling up, you're getting in your own way. 
And then the last thing about that with the confidence issue is we have an uncanny ability to learn. Optometrists are very smart. They're almost too smart at times. We outthink ourselves. We, you know, overanalyze and, you know, paralysis by analysis. However, it is one of our superpowers. And don't underestimate your ability to learn the answers to a situation. So if you aren't confident in the fact that you are an expert of this, believe in yourself that you can teach yourself what you need to know to be successful. That's what I've seen with the best. Number three, they're not afraid to go against mainstream. They're not afraid to be an outlier. The entrepreneurs, the ODs that I admire the most have the most unique niche practices. Like they have a just a crazy boutique optical or they do medical only. They don't even fit glasses or contacts. They don't take any vision insurances. All they do is myopia management or specialty contact lenses or dry eye. It's amazing. And I think about all the things I do and how I have to operate within that way. And they're doing it. They're successful. They're charging things that I don't even dream about charging. And I sit back and ask myself, why not me? All right. And the reason for that is they never stop dreaming and they never stop relying on the resources. They know what they want to do and they surround themselves with the people that will help them do it. So, for example, if you want to start this specialty niche practice, they will go and talk to another business owner like a a chiropractor or a CPA or someone that's incredibly specialized, pick their brain ask them how they did it, what pitfalls they saw, and they gain wisdom, they gain insight because they're searching for it. They're not just going cookie cutter out. You know, what does everyone do? What do all the journals say? This is the protocol that I'm supposed to follow. They look outside to other avenues of life and then they take it in and they apply. They are the kids that are told to think big and no one ever tells them that that was just an exercise to help you move your standard cookie cutter practice, you know, a step forward. They dream big and they actually do it, right? So so what's my advice to you on that one? Number one, never stop seeking information. Always try to gather information and don't just focus on optometry. It's a great profession, tons of periodicals, journals, podcasts, resources to give you insight and wisdom. But go outside the box, listen to investing podcasts, talk to other business professionals, talk to other entrepreneurs, people that have done something similar, and see how you can apply what they're doing to your practice. That's how you be a one in a million practice that everyone else looks to and wishes they could do what you're doing. Number four, they devote their resources, resources, time, effort, energy, money, Okay, they will pick a task and they're going to go after it. They're all in. So what what's that uh, Cortez, right? He's going to the new world. They're going to conquer the Aztecs and because some something like that. I don't I don't know, but I know Cortez, right? And got all his men, all the ships up to shore, got off the boats. And then he literally set his boats on fire. He said, we're going to conquer and win or we're going to die because we can't go home now. That's what these successful entrepreneurs, these ODs that are the highest level that I want to be do. They go all in. They deploy capital, resources, energy, 
and they stick to it. They don't get off the beaten track. They are going to succeed regardless of the environment, the situation. Now, again, they will pivot, they'll adjust, they'll adapt, but they're still pursuing the same goal, right? Listen, my advice for you on this one is focus your energy, go all in, listen to episodes 149 and 151. I talk about one, focusing, and then implementing this focus that you've created a plan for, how to how to make it happen. That Those two episodes are exactly what I've seen those most successful do. We made it a whole episode. It's so important. So listen to those two episodes. You'll be better for it. The last and final thing, the number five common denominator amongst the most successful people I, I, I've talked to, I've interacted with, I've I found is they look at themselves first, right? You can have an external locus of control. You know, the world is going to do this to me and I'm going to react to it. Or they have an internal locus of control. I am in power. I am capable. I can solve this problem. Or I created this problem. If you keep hiring staff and they keep leaving, who's hiring the staff or who's training the people that are hiring them? The problem may just be you. If you think you're going to move to a new location or a new environment and things are going to be different, remember you still brought yourself along. And if the same things keep happening, you have to look yourself in the mirror. I have always said my biggest obstacle to success is myself because I held the belief that only I could do it. That if I let someone else do it, it wouldn't be as good. It wouldn't be as uh, profitable. We would fail. I was that special right? Honestly, nope, not that big a deal. Half my patients, I bet if I had another doctor, would still see them and feel confident as long as we put our seal of approval on it, right? You know, there's a handful that do believe I am the best and want to come and see me, and I love those patients. But if you create a system, you don't have to be the secret, you know, sauce. You don't have to be the super person that goes in and fixes everything. I did it today. There was a problem that came in, I instantly knew what to do, solved it, and patient went on the way, and I instantly like wanna punch myself in the face. I'm like, I went and talked to my two managers, my optical manager, my office manager, and I said, you know what? I apologize, I took an opportunity for you guys to grow and get better. I explained it, went through it, I go, but I am getting better, I recognize it, and I talked to them about it. But you have to realize that you are stopping yourself from growth, whether it's how you're delegating, it's who you're hiring, it's the environment you're placing yourself in, you control these aspects of business. Why do you want to have a private practice? Because I can control my hours, I get to operate the way I want to, and then the office is controlling you. The patients are dictating to you what you're going to do. Your staff's dictating how you're going to run your life not how it's supposed to be. You have an internal locus of control. Look at yourself first. So my advice to you on that is you have to have an accountability partner. Very few people in our circles, if you're a private practice owner, are really going to be able to call you out. Staff, office manager, patients, they all look to you in a position of power, right? So that's going to be harder, but you might have a spouse, a sibling, something else, or Do what we're doing with the Ultimate OD, our mastermind group. Create a group of people that will hold you accountable. They will look you 
in the eye and say, you're the reason why this is failing. Your actions are causing this outcome, All right? Be able to get honest, open feedback and don't take it personally. And you can provide the same for them. It can be a, you know, iron sharpens iron situation, but I love it when it's a coach helping you out that you are not going to get anything to them except, you know, the fact that they're giving back, they're mentoring, but you are going to take all of that criticism, guidance. You have to be in that position where you have no power. That's the best way for you to have empathy for the people you're leading. But in addition, for you to really look yourself in the mirror and evaluate where you need to be. So right there, those are the five things. A brief recap, confidence, you know, love the grind, love to hustle, not afraid to go against the grain. They will be the outlier. They devote their time, effort, and energy, all their resources to the task at hand, and they look themselves in the mirror and answer what could they have done better first. Those five things, apply them to your practice. I gave you specific actionable items that you can do for each and every one of those traits. Let me know how it's working out for you. Let me know what traits you think I missed. Leave leave them in the comments below. We'll have more for you next week. All right, my friends, a little office talk. Now, one of the things that I've thought about a lot the past year is where do I want to be in 10 years? Where do I want to be in 20? How do I want to retire? What's my next move, right? Uh, The ultimate OD, uh, that's going to be a consulting firm. I don't know what role that's going to be, whether it's education, webinars, one-on-one consulting, but I love to give information. I love to mentor. So that's something I'm developing right now. That's a huge aspect. The other thing I love to do is knowledge. I love to learn. So I love going to Expo West. I love going to uh, conferences, getting more information, and then thinking about how I'm going to take this, bundle it up, and apply it to my office. So I love growing the business. So those things really mean a lot to me. That's what I'm going to focus my effort and energy on, creating the office that allows me to do those things. It'll be the medical director, grow the business, maybe multiple practices, be able to help other off, other doctors do the same for their practices, to help their dreams become reality. And then I sit back and think about, what do I lose? And as much as we hate to admit it, There's a lot of street cred that we get for being a doctor, being an optometrist. Dr. Lilly is different than Nick Lilly, right? Nick Lilly, the consultant, Nick Lilly, the, you know, medical director or whatnot. That's different if I'm not seeing patients. If I go out onto the town and talk to all my, you know, friends, family, colleagues, uh, you know, patients, and I'm not the doctor, what's the dynamic? And I'm going to be honest with you, a little bit of a moment of vulnerability here. I like being Dr. Lily. It's kind of a label I've given myself, I've earned, right? You've earned your title as doctor. And it would kind of stink to give that up, right? But then I sit back and I evaluate. I'm like, why am I thinking this? Why do I feel that way? Is it an insecurity? Is that what defines me? No. I mean, it's not what defines me, but it's probably an insecurity, I've went through my life always having these labels of I was the football player, then I was the student, they're going to be the doctor, now I'm the doctor. Those labels are how you define yourself. 
at the end of the day, do my kids care what I do? No, they care that I'm there. I love them. I do what I, I need to do to provide. My wife, I mean, she probably likes the status of being, you know, one of the doctor family, right? But at the end of the day, she wants me to be happy, wants me to be there, be active. We want to live our life together. And it's kind of a, an empowering thing to know that I don't need that title. Uh, one of the books that I think is very beneficial is called Built to Sell. Read that. It's kind of planning for the end of mind. And one of the things that comes up in that book and in a lot of the financial podcasts that I, I listen to is that when people retire, the biggest mistake that they make is they don't know what they're retiring to, right? And they, you know, they do the golf thing. They do the traveling thing. And then they're left spinning. You know, they want to go back to the office. They want to go back to work because that's what gave them purpose. That's what defined them. That's a big thing that I'm thinking about every day in my office is I don't want to be that person. I want to make the next move and just not look back. I had my run. I made my my path and now I'm ready for the next chapter. Now, Within that next chapter, I still contend that I probably will always see patients to some extent. Probably not at the same pace that I do now, but I would love to create my dry eye clinic. You know, one day a week, I'm going to do my primary care. The other two days, I'm doing my dry eye consults, my dry eye therapies, my dry eye treatments. And then Thursday, Friday, I'm working on the business. I'm growing this. I'm doing my consulting stuff. I'm traveling that's my dream. That's my life. The fact that I have that vision for it now is guiding so many decisions I'm making going forward, right? I don't know the specific episodes, but we have a ton of content on having your vivid vision, having your dream, having that CEO mindset. And I'm going to elaborate more on that because every day I do this, every day I think about where I want to be, I get more and more insight, more and more perspective. So I challenge you to do the same. Where do you want to be? How are you going to move on from your business? And what are you going to move on to? Those are very important questions. We'll have more content on how to answer them in future episodes, but I'll have more office talk for you next week. Where, oh, where has the time gone? We're to the closing thought of the episode. And today I will leave you with this little nugget of wisdom. We are the thoughts that we constantly think. Now, I know this is Tony Robbins, rah, rah. But if you think about it, what are you consuming? What are you putting in your brain? Because I think about dry eye all the time. Because I'm trying to grow that practice. I'm constantly reading information about dry eye. I'm looking at news and, and blogs, what's coming out. And I've never had more intelligent conversations with patients because I've filled my head with that, those talking points, that knowledge. When I think about, you know, the goals I have for the next 10 years, I am constantly saying them to myself. When I talk to people, I talk to myself, we're going to have a bigger office in a year, period. Full stop, end of end of story like I'm telling them I'm putting that out there and then there's that that belief of like well I said it I have to do it I put it out into the ether I need to keep thinking about it so don't discount what you're putting into your head and don't 
neglect what you are thinking. If you are constantly thinking a certain thing that doesn't necessarily align with the goals that you have, you need to evaluate one, your goals, or two, your thoughts. Both of those things you can control, and that was a very empowering thing when I realized it myself. So do that. We'll have more for you next week. Dr. Lily out.